Hello, and welcome to the Alchemy of Art podcast with your host, Addie Hirschton. Join us as we share folk tales and true stories about artists and the creative process. We'll start with a quote of the day. This was said by Neil Gaiman. When things get tough, this is what you should do. Make good art. Just one teeny tiny excerpt from his Make Good Art speech, which if you haven't heard it before, go and watch it. Hello, everyone. My name is Addie Hirschton. I'm a contemporary, I I was about to say impressionist, visionary painter. (laughs) I am a painter and art instructor, author, and public speaker. The purpose of this podcast is to share stories about art and the creative process to inspire you and help you move forward. On the show, I interview artists from a wide variety of mediums so that we can learn from each other's processes and philosophy. Today's podcast features a chat with Elise Warwick. All right, announcements. Golly, um, I have so many announcements. I don't even know where to start. (laughs) It's been crazy, crazy busy for me this month. So where are we? We're in September of 2018. And um, last month, I opened up a studio uh, and gallery space, and it's a teaching space in Indianapolis, Indiana, where I live, called Studio Alchemy. Um, we're having all sorts of fun classes and workshops there. We are doing second Saturday openings, which means that from 1 to 4 p.m. on the second Saturday of every month, there is a show and each month has a theme. So for example, in October, we're going to be doing the theme mystery. And in my community here, I've done call outs for um, folks to bring in uh, paintings and um, doesn't have to be paintings could be photographs or uh, any art medium that's on that theme and then we have a show and have a party every second Saturday of the month so if you're in the area I hope that you come and stop by um, I'd love to hear from you guys what workshops you're interested in taking at Studio Alchemy in the future um, and I am considering doing some you know, three to four day workshops on occasion. So if folks wanted to come from out of town, they could work with me. So if you have any ideas, you know, please email me and let me know because I'm putting together our schedule for 2019. Um, in the interview that you're going to hear with Elise Rorick, uh in a few minutes, uh, she, I mentioned the Start Selling Your Art workshop and uh, sadly, because I've been so busy, I've been so behind, that workshop in person has passed. But I do have an online version of that very, very practical um, class. And um, it's on my Teachable site. So you can link that through my website if you are interested. You could take it from afar. 
Elise and I also talk about her uh, Starlight Journal book launch party, and that's November 3rd, and it's going to take place at Studio Alchemy. And anyone out there is welcome to come. Of course, we encourage you to pre-order Elise's book, which we talk all about in the interview. And the theme, of course, fits the book Starlight. So uh, a lot of folks are going to be dressing up. And since I interviewed her and heard about the costumes, I have been working on my costume and I'm super excited about it. It's been a long time since I've (laughs) prepped for a costume in uh, such a fun, creative way. Um, And I am so happy to be able to celebrate her big uh, accomplishment of finishing this book. All right, what else to chat about? I guess that's it for me and my announcements. Let's talk about Elise Rorick. So Elise is a photographer, a graphic designer. She does um, book covers and and things like that. And she she combines photography with... um, other mediums by splicing them together on the computer and she talks about her methods in our interview. Uh, Her website has an interesting name. It's called lucycoveycreative.com and luce means light in Armenian and kovi means sea in Armenian and I think that's just beautiful. Lucy Covey Creative is her website. Um, This is something that she said on her website that's her um, in her bio that's, you know, her about me, you know, why the heck is it that I do the artwork that I do? And I just had to share it. This is what she wrote. Most importantly, I believe in magic, not in the sense of wands and wizards and spells, but in an everyday sort of magic. I believe in the magic of people, of what they can do and achieve with passion and love and determination, of how they can connect with other people and the world around them on a daily basis. I believe that there is a powerful type of magic in human connections, that emotions are how we connect. And I believe in capturing and spreading that magic and imagination to inspire the world. A piece of art whether a painting, a song, a story, or a portrait, is a preserved memory of the most magical thing on earth, people. Across space and time, the most important things about artworks is their ability to preserve that magic and to connect to people. So that's just a little taste of the loveliness that is my friend Elise Rorick. Again, her website is luciocreative.com and I'll have a link to that in the show notes. So without further ado, here is my interview with Elise Rorick. Elise Rorick, welcome to the show. Thank you, Addie. I'm so excited to be here. All right, first question. What is the story of how you became an artist? Ooh, so this is an interesting question because I feel like I've basically always been an artist, 
even in grade school, I was always really interested in art. Mm-hmm. Um, like art was my favorite class, and we had it was not like an art club, but there was in middle school the art teacher put a group together of students who were interested in art to do a specific project that like tied in with the city's annual festival. And so we would like work all year on this one project that then we entered into this contest in the festival in the summer. And so I was a part of that every year that they did it. Okay. <laughs> and so were most of my really good friends actually. Um, and then I, I got into photography specifically um, because my dad had always been like a hobbyist photographer. Okay. So like not quite a pro. It wasn't his job, but he always had like the fanciest, newest camera equipment okay. and was really into it. And so I sort of picked up his camera at one point and just started messing around with it and playing with it and I really liked it. And so I sort of ran off of it and did all of my own artistic stuff. Um, and then I was, I knew I was interested in photography. And so I was on journalism, I was in the journalism classes. And I took a couple of art classes in high school also, which I really enjoyed. So yeah, I kind of, I just kind of have always been an artist. And I get, my mom is really talented in all of the traditional art things. Like she's an amazing drawer. She can draw better than I can. And she was always really crafty, like with Halloween and different holidays. And she always made us like handmade costumes for Halloween and that sort of thing. Um, So yeah, sometimes I feel like I kind of combined their two interests. Okay. I took the art for my mom and the photography for my dad. and, And then I went and got a degree in Fine art photography. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's, it's a weird question to pinpoint when it started, because I think it was kind of always a part of me. But then I really started to take on the title of artist just recently, in the last couple of years, because um, I had been so interested in photography for so long. But then I realized, partly through going to school for fine art photography, and then partly just after having graduated, sort of looking back at what I was interested in and what I kept doing, and it was all of the art-related photography that was always my favorite. Um, So then eventually I sort of re-embraced that title. Awesome. Lovely. I'm struck by how... I feel like a lot of people I've talked to lately, just even going back to elementary school, going back that far, having art as an option in the classroom has influenced you all the way up until today. And I just think that's relevant to point out, particularly when there's so many art programs that are cut and whatnot, how it really does make a huge difference in in people's lives mm-hmm. years after the class is over. Um, so my next question for you, I might have to revise. So I was going to ask, why do you love photography over other 
mediums, what draws you to photography? And because I think of you as a photographer, right? But then you said there's the fine art photography, which I didn't know there would be a difference in the fine art photography. And so how do you define that? And what is it about photography in and of itself? And I mean, now it's become several questions, <laughs> as usual. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. Um, so for in my head, anyway, there's a difference between portrait photography and commercial photography, product photography, um, even like event photography. And I think mostly it has to do with intention. But I was also always kind of an odd duck in my fine art photo classes, I felt like, because I, I always approach all of the photo things with the same sort of attitude as like the Italian Renaissance painters almost. Not even necessarily the Renaissance, but uh, like neoclassical, I think, had a lot of this sort of thing, which is essentially like it's telling a story of okay. using symbolism and just like sort of artfully infusing little details and story into the final image. Okay. And so there's also usually a difference for me now um, in what I consider like my fine art photography as opposed to something like a product photo or business photo. Um, and typically now my fine art stuff is actually technically more mixed media. It's sort of this weird thing that has no category. <laughs> Because what I tend to do is um, take a photo or like set up a scene, um, often an underwater photo, yeah. which is its own thing entirely. <laughs> and then I will sort of go through the photos from the shoot, pick out the one that I like the most, or sometimes a couple. And if it's a couple, then I'm combining them in Photoshop to get, like, really the final image that I was sort of seeing in my head all along. And then, very often, I'm doing something else, either drawing, like, line work or watercolor painting. Um, and then I do, like, I have the photo that I'm using up on my screen, usually, and then I do the painting on, like, actual painting on watercolor paper with watercolor. Okay. And then I essentially digitize that painting okay. and then put pull that into Photoshop and then I do all sorts of things in Photoshop to integrate the painting with the photo okay. or the drawing or often both. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's this weird sort of like it's not a collage and it's also not really digital painting because most of the time occasionally I do a little bit of painting with Photoshop but not very often. Most of the time it's actual painting and drawing on paper with like the physical product which I just love like I've considered trying to like digitally paint or learn digital painting and I'm interested in that but I don't think it would ever replace my actual painting mm -hmm. because I just love the act of painting mm -hmm. and that's just different when you do it digitally right so yeah so that's what most of what I consider my artwork is 
now. And it's, it's this combination of media in a sort of weird way that's difficult to explain. Right. <laughs> so I just sort of attach mixed media to it. Right. Um, and, yeah. But I think to sort of answer the original question of, like, what draws me to photography, because I could just paint an underwater scene. But I think it has to do actually with the same thing that draws me to the physical painting, which is that it's something about setting it up in the real world. Because, like, photography is really cool because, like, when it was first invented and introduced, everyone was, like, so excited about it because a photo tells the truth, sort of. Like, it, it captures what's actually there. And then sort of through the history of photography, people started to realize, like, oh, well, yes, it does that, but not necessarily. Like, you can manipulate photos to make it look like something there that isn't there. Um, And so I think I find that really interesting that with photography, you can still use the camera as a tool to create the image like the idea as it arrives in your head kind of but you have to in some sense or at least to some extent you have to create a part of it like you have to set up the scene you have to create it in real life and then capture it with the camera and then even if the most fantastical part of it is because I'm adding painted elements in photoshop there still is like a part of it that's grounded in reality that I had to create in reality. Mm. And so I think that is what I like the most about it Mm. and why I continue to use it as sort of like my base medium Mm. rather than going into like just painting. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Your answer to that brings to mind, just sort of reminds me, if you will, how so much of what you do just wasn't even possible 50 years ago, mm-hmm. let alone photography, let's say, 200 years ago. Mm-hmm. Not possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's part of what's so exciting about it is that it's new. And I like how you're layering the old and the new. Mm-hmm. And um, and I've certainly seen a lot of children's books that are using that same layering that you're doing in a really exciting new way. Which brings me to my next question, which is about your book, which is about to come out, which is very exciting. It's called The Starlight Journal, and it's got your pieces in it, but it's, of course, even more than that, because it's a, a process book where you... Mm-hmm. The, the reader are using it as a tool. So explain it more to us and tell us about, you know, the party you're going to have in your life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Starlight Journal has been a very long project. Um, it started off, gosh, two and a half or like three years ago now. Um, and I was... Um, sort of just in a time of life where I was kind of just trying to get 
my stuff together, you know, get my life together. And I realized that I was kind of chaotic and like maybe too much creativity. You know, there's that joking thing that says creativity is a very messy thing and I'm very creative. Um, and it's not wrong, but you have too much of it <laughs> in order to have like a well working life. And so I was sort of realizing about myself that I needed to be better at scheduling and better at um, just sort of organizing things. And I was getting frustrated because, you know, and at this point I was working full time and also um, doing freelance stuff on the side and also doing art stuff on the side. And so I also was just juggling a lot <laughs> um, and like taking care of uh, the house I was renting and all this stuff. And so I realized like I need some sort of like calendar or scheduler or something that can help me organize all this because I can't just keep it all in my brain. It's not working. And so I began looking for a tool like that. And in the past, I would say I four or five years especially, I feel like there has been sort of an upsurge of products like this available on the market of different personalized planners and specialized planners um, and sort of tried them out. And everyone that I try or everyone that I looked at, it was just like, well, this is really helpful in the areas that it specializes in, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't encompass everything that I need it to do. And so then it was kind of frustrating because it's like, well, now I'm carrying around like three, like I've got my planner, I've got my journal, I've got my sketchbook, I've got my (laughs) other planner. Like it was just a lot of stuff. Like suddenly I had, I needed something to help me organize my things to organize things. (laughs) And so um, I was getting really frustrated because I was just like, why doesn't something like this exist? Like it's not that much that I'm trying to do. I mean, that might not be true. It may be as a lot. <laughs> Some of my friends have told me, like, no, you're just trying to do a lot. But I was getting really frustrated. And I think at one point I had even sat down and, like, just made a list of all of the things that I was looking for in a planner so that I could sort of check any new ones that I found against this list. And then one day I was driving home from work and I had just like at the end of the day found yet another one and sort of got excited for a moment because it was like, oh, this is a new one. Maybe this could be the one that I'm looking for. And then as I'm like clicking through and reading the description and the photos, like, oh no, this also doesn't have everything that I need. So I was driving home from work, kind of disappointed again. And all of a sudden it just hit me. Like I could just make one. Like, I have those skills. I know how InDesign works. I I could just do it. Right. <laughs> uh, and then I got home and I just sketched out. Like, all of a sudden, as this idea arrived in my head, so did sort of the mental image of what each of the pages would look like. And so, or like templates, kind of. And so as soon as I got home, I just like grabbed my sketchbook and sketched out all of these different pages that integrated all the things that I was looking for. 
And I was, and then it took me like an hour, and then I just kind of sat back, like, "Whoa, that was cool, but kind of crazy." And like, okay, now I have this giant project to do. And so I started working on building the template. And originally, the idea was to have it be like a planner, like a fully. They would have the dates. It would have calendar pages. It would have. It would be everything done for you. You just filled it in. Okay. Um, and also to include a few blank pages or a few journal pages, and then also artwork. Like, because that was the whole thing all along. Is that I was finding plenty of planners that were like functionally what I needed or functionally close enough to what I needed but they were boring like it wasn't something that I was I, I, I know myself and it wasn't something that I was going to want to have with me and want to keep using because it was just boring and I want and then they there are other ones on the market that have like inspiration sort of throughout but those ones didn't have as much of the functional things that I needed. And so essentially I needed both. I needed both a place to be productive and organized and also a place to kind of stay inspired. And so I started off uh, uh, two and a half years ago, I think, designing this thing. It was going to be a massive project because it was 365 days of like personalized, creative artistic stuff um and also that was just going to be a huge book um and then but like i was going for it so then probably six months or so into starting to design that book um i ended up leaving my full-time job that i had and going out as a freelance photographer so that sort of shifted everything, and suddenly I had to focus more on being a freelance photographer and like getting money coming in to pay rent and all that light stuff. Um, so I sort of had to put the project on the back burner for a while, and then it kind of just stayed on the back burner. And I was still sort of working on it, but much more slowly. And I had sort of run into a couple problems and questions of, even when I get this designed, how on earth am I going to print it? And it was all sort of a complicated mess. And so then that made me even less interested in working on it, sort of. And so it was last fall, about a year ago now, actually, um, that I was kind of revisiting. I had been freelancing for a year. And so I was sort of just evaluating, like, how's it going? Where where do I want to go from here? That sort of thing. And one of my big frustrations was that, like, yes, the freelance photographer thing was actually going pretty well. And so I was excited about that. That was awesome. But the thing that I was frustrated with a a year ago was that I wasn't really doing much art stuff (laughs) anymore. And so I, I had, because I just constantly get ideas. And so I have, you know, sketchbooks full of ideas of art things that I want to create and was feeling very much like I didn't have the time ever to actually work on them. 
Um, and so I, what I ended up doing is sitting down and just sort of doing a brain dump and listing out all of the different projects that I had been thinking about uh, or had been writing down in other places and then sort of evaluating and looking at like, okay, how can I start to make some progress on some of these? And I ended up showing it to a friend of mine who is also an artist and actually freelance illustrator. Um, and he freelances full time too. And so I showed him the list and his response, I mean, he, he gave me a lot of really good feedback, but the most memorable one was that he essentially was just like, okay, this planner thing, you've been working on this for like a year and a half now. And it's like, that's too long. Just get it done. Get it done so we can get it out. And then you can move on to all these, uh, all these other ideas are really good, but you can't get to them until you finish this one. Um, and so I was just like, you're right. So then I started working on it again. But with that sort of challenge to get it done as fast as I can and just get it out there into the world, I also... I was still stuck on, like, how am I going to print it? Because for some reason in my head, if it was a planner, then it had to be spiral bound. And spiral bound is a lot more difficult to, like, good quality spiral bound is a lot more difficult to produce <laughs> than something like perfect binding or even hardback binding in a book. And so I was really stuck on this, like, even if I get this finished, how on earth am I going to produce it? And then I, then it was like getting close to Christmas time last year. And I was doing some Christmas shopping for a friend of mine. And she has got this really beautiful tarot deck. And I had written down the name of the artist that made it so that I could go look that artist up. And when I did, I discovered that she had created this, like, companion tarot journal to go with her tarot deck. And I knew that my friend had the deck, but not the journal. So I, I was just like, oh, perfect. This is a great Christmas present. So I ordered this journal to give to my friend for Christmas. And when it arrived, I was kind of looking through it because I was interested. I was kind of looking through it, and it was a blank journal that just every few pages had a full color illustrated artwork and it was perfect bound but it was really nice quality and that really nice printing and so i was looking at that and i had this sort of challenge in my head from mike that just get the get the get your planner done and then i'm looking at this journal and i was just like oh i could do it like this it doesn't have to necessarily be the full planner, at least right now. Like, maybe one day I could revisit that idea. But at least for now. Yeah, yeah, with the, with the calendar. Okay. But at least for now, I could just take kind of the same idea, but make it an undated, just blank journal. But a, an illustrated journal. And then, um, a friend of mine who had always she was one of the first people that I told about this planner idea way back when and she was always just like on board like yes do it as soon as it's done I'm ordering one um, but in the meantime she had sort of discovered this thing called bullet journaling 
which I don't know if you're familiar with that at all. I wasn't super familiar with it until I started looking into it more for this project. Explain Um, it for our listeners, in case they don't know what that means. Yeah. So, bullet journaling is essentially, it's a blank book of pages that have like a faint grid of dots. And I think some people also call it like grid journaling or bullet or um, dot journaling. And the whole idea is that it can be totally versatile and totally customizable to whatever you need. So, like even more so than just a blank lined journal, because the lined journal sort of restricts you to those lines. Um, and with the grid with the dot of with the grid of dots you can draw in lines if you want if all you want to do is use it as a regular regular line journal you can draw those in or you can draw in grids you can draw in I mean the the options are almost endless (laughs) Um, and if you are interested in finding out more about bullet journaling, my advice would just be to search for the hashtag bullet journal on Instagram, honestly, because the person who invented it, however many years ago, just created this movement and getting on Instagram and just kind of looking at what different people do is a really good way to find inspiration and find like kind of get a better understanding of what's possible and then you can design your own pages yourself. Um, so yeah, so I was looking at this lined illustrated art journal, art tarot journal, and I had this idea in my head already of how am I going to like get the, my project done. And I also sort of had, I had seen my friend Maddie's bullet journaling and she really seemed to like it. But somehow all of these three things sort of combined in my head and I was just like, oh, I could do it like this. I could do it. And then it's a weird thing. Like there's no logic to this. But in my head, if it was a planner with like the calendar and all of the grids already laid out for you, it had to be spiral bound. And if it wasn't, if it was just a bullet journal, it could just be perfect bound. And I guess that's just because in the market, most of the current planners are have like the spiral coil binding it. And bullet journals are just journals, so they're just perfect bound. And so then it was just like, oh, this is the way I can do this. So then I almost immediately was just like, not only can, can I do this, I can do this quickly. Because if it doesn't have the calendar stuff, then it's not quite as rigid and it doesn't need quite as much design, if that makes sense. Um, And I had like a stock, essentially, stockpile of artwork that I'd made over the last, I don't know, 10 years almost. so I didn't necessarily need to create any new illustration. Whereas with the planner, it was all very intentional. Like I'm creating an illustration to go with this idea that's for this week and like this theme. And 
it was just a lot. And so this way, I was a li- it was a little bit looser enough to where I could just pull in the artwork that I already had that was really good. And the theme or the thing that connects the artwork is essentially just my own style. And it doesn't necessarily have to be more than that. And so that's what I did. I like storyboarded and then created an InDesign within just a couple months. The entire thing. Um, And it just is several pages of blank grid dots followed by a page or two of a piece of art or a creative prompt. So, and sometimes they go together and often there is still a little bit of that theme connection. So often the creative prompt will relate to my artwork that's there with the creative prompt. So that's what it is. It's a bullet journal that is interspersed with artwork, and creative prompts. Some of them are journaling prompts, so they're encouraging you to reflect on like where you are in life, where you want to be, how can you get there. Some of them are, I think one of them is pick a star in the sky and tell the story of that star. And like on that page, it's blank, and I very specifically said tell the story, not write the story. So you could write a story, it could be a creative writing prompt, or it could be a drawing prompt, or it could be a collage thing. Like, I, I left that one sort of deliberately open. So, mm-hmm. however you tell stories, use this page to tell the story of a star. Um, and so, it's just stuff like that. Like, one of them is, take a walk in nature, and find some little piece of nature and then draw that piece on this page. Um, so, just, yeah, it's, it's all different. Creativity, life, reflection, prompts, plus my artwork. And so, there's 150 blank bullet journal pages, and 100 pages that have either artwork or those creative prompts on them. So that's what it is. <laughs> It's finally finished, <laughs> uh, in terms of de- the design anyway. The design and the production is all set. Uh, so it's on sale now on my website, uh, which is lucycovicreative.com. L-U-S-I-C-O-V-I creative. Uh, lucycovicreative.com slash starlight journal is where you can, um, pre-order. So the pre-orders are live and for sale. We're doing a launch party in November at Studio Alchemy, which everyone is super excited about. And that is going to be a, it's a combination celebration just of like finishing this project and launching it out. And also kind of just a very, a collection of very cool and related things for people to do. Um, so it's kind of an event in and of itself, but it also all centers around the Starlight Journal. Um, and so 
anyone who pre-orders their copy, it'll be signed. And then, so all of that will be ready and available to pick up at the Starlight launch party. And then anyone who can't make the party, I will be shipping their books to them in that week after. Um, so the party will be November 3rd from 8 p.m. to midnight. And the whole theme of it is Starlight. So we're going to have a, a few tables of like crafty activities that all have to do with Starlight or stars. Um, there's going to be a couple, a couple of those activity stations, I guess, are going to just be pages from the book so that people can like print it out pages so that people can sort of get an idea of what is in the book. Um, and then there's going to be starlight themed drinks and food. There's going to be a starlight photo booth. So just a very, um, starry background. And then there will just be some props and stuff. Um, what else? There's going to be LED hoop, hula hoop dancers. <laughs> because that lights up and therefore it has to do with starlight. Um, there's going to be a telescope and a quote-unquote observation deck outside. And so we're really hoping for clear skies that night. We can't really control that. But as long as there are, there's going to be that. And people will get a chance to actually do some pretty cool stargazing. Um, there's going to be a costume contest. Oh. <laughs> so... The challenge there is to dress like Starlight, whatever that means to you. Oh, okay. Um, and then there's also going to be a sort of treasure hunt giveaway. So we're going to hide in the decor, which is all going to be sort of fancy and glittery and probably overdone, um, but very starry. Uh, within the decor, we're going to hide some notes, essentially, and one of them will be, like, a winner. So, and then the winner gets back to So, yeah, I think, I think that's at least most of what's happening. <laughs> there's a lot happening, and there's still a few things that are not confirmed yet, so I don't want to say. Um, but yeah, so it's going to be a really fun night and everyone should come and check it out and have fun with us. And yeah, that's, that's the Starlight Journal. <laughs> okay. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I'm really excited about this party. I didn't even know there was going to be a costume contest. I'm going to have to really think about that. <laughs> um, I, just, I had several thoughts with this story that you just told of the journal itself. Mm -hmm. One was that, you know, when you have a really big project as an artist, sometimes we have to be reacting to the materials mm -hmm. or how it's going to be used. Mm -hmm. And you, like, you just have to be flexible and, mm -hmm. and, and, and keep allowing the artwork to morph. You know, you had that moment where you came in, you came home, and you, you'd had the idea, and you know, jotted it all down, 
Um, but you couldn't stay rigid to that original idea. It, of course, still has the energy and the, the, um, the same spirit, if you will, uh, but it had to change a little bit. And I think that that's important to think about with any art project, especially if one is living big. Um, and I've done lots of not only reading of self-help books, <laughs> okay. um, and, and but also of these these various journals, mm-hmm. and and I do think that it's great that you said to yourself, you know what, I'm not finding exactly what I want. I'm gonna make it myself. It reminds me of dating. Work with me here. Okay, it's like, it's like you're thinking, okay, I'm gonna find this perfect dude and he's gonna you know fulfill all these things Mm -hmm. but then sometimes you just have to realize well I can fulfill those things for myself Mm -hmm. you know that's a good um, like I I had I learned a lesson about 10 years ago I thought if I'm gonna go out to do something my partner has to go with me Mm -hmm. and so I got really stuck on I'm not seeing any of the music that I'm gonna see and I'm not Mm -hmm. doing certain things and then it just all of a sudden, dawned on me, I can just go myself. I don't have to mm-hmm. um, have somebody go with me. Mm-hmm. That doesn't have to be this part of the equation that mm-hmm. I've always thought relationships were. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe I'm stretching to make that analogy here. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I mean, I think it's great, too, that you, you said to yourself, okay, this is, they're okay, but they're not quite getting the mark. I'm going to make it myself and what works for me mm-hmm. and of course that's also going to work for certain people as well and and I like to how it can your journal it's got the room for I could make a collage in there I could use it in the way I want to or that's going to work for me mm-hmm. um, and and I also just have to add that I really think there's a magic if you will in writing things down getting all those ideas out, making them concrete. Some of us are just swimming around your head mm-hmm. and you feel like just a, a hopelessness. I'm never going to get all these ideas done. Mm-hmm. Then once you, you put them down on paper, you can see them more clearly. You can prioritize them and say, you know what? Yeah, this one, this journal thing that I'm making, it's really got to be the number one thing that I'll finish first. And then I'm going to do this because I don't know, but I have so many ideas. There's, it's not possible I could do them in my lifetime. No way, no way, Jose. <laughs> uh, but I can, I can write them all down, and then I can decide this is the most important, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna do that and do it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, okay. Yeah. Lots of, lots of Did you have another yeah. thing to add? Yeah, I yeah, do okay. actually. Just from what you were saying. Oh, yeah. So. But what's so interesting and has been so interesting over this three-year journey creating this thing is that the process itself, like exactly what you were just talking about, how it had to be flexible and sort of bend, even though even though the, the basic idea and, like you said, the spirit of it didn't really change, the exact execution of it had to change yeah. and be flexible and interestingly enough that's also like the format that it ended up in is kind of something that is exactly that like 
it's rigid enough, it's got structure enough, and then you can put in whatever other structure you want, but it also has the flexibility to change. And like, that's what I love so much. Since I got my first sample copies of my own bullet journal that I created, I have started taking up bullet journaling. And it's awesome because of exactly that. Like you can have your pages that are nothing but your gridded structure. And then the very next page could just be like a list of things I need to do today. And then the very next page could be a budget, which is a little more structured. And then the next page you can journal uh, just about so anything. You can do just a regular old, just like, uh, here's a thought that I had today kind of thing. Um, and so that's part of what I love so much about it is that it is exactly, it ended up being, I think, even more what I needed than what I thought I needed when I started out because of this flexible but still structured layout. So I find that really interesting how like the thing, the journey to the thing sort of became the thing itself even. And it's just, I think it gives even more credence to this idea that like we don't always really know what we're doing. And like you said, the art sometimes seems to have an idea of its own and you have to be willing to sort of meet it where it is too and go with the flow. Um, and then the other thing, when you mentioned collaging, uh, there are pages that specifically tell you to collage. And so that was the one other thing I wanted to mention is that I tried to make it I tried to incorporate all of the different forms of creativity that I could think of. Like, so there's creative writing, there's journal writing, there's drawing, there's coloring, there's painting, there's um, collaging, and there's even like go out and take a walk in nature, which I often think of as a lot the same as the more creative thing. Um, and part of that too is to give people because another thing that is the beauty of this sort of balance is that for people like me who are too unstructured without something like this, it can bring structure into the creativity. But I think that there's also a lot of people out there who are almost the opposite of me and they're very, very structured and they don't take any time to rest or relax or play or be creative mm -hmm. and so on the flip side if you're that sort of person I think this can still be a really cool tool for you because it's still going to allow you to have that structure and organization and all of that but then your structure is going to be interrupted as you go with these prompts of like go outside or right. do a collage or and so part of, part of why it, that creativity is so varied is to sort of introduce to people and give them a space to try out all of these different types of creativity that maybe they've never really tried before. And then maybe some, maybe one of the prompts they're really going to love and then they can go on their own and dig into more creative writing prompts or more collaging ideas. 
And then they've got all these blank pages in the rest of the journal that they could use to fill with that thing. So it really is about the balance of having both creativity and flow and organization and productivity. Interesting. Yeah, I'm reminded now. Just have a lot of students who will tell me, I I just have such a structured life Mm -hmm. that I know I want to create artwork. Um, I want to be self-reflective, and I want I want to do all these things that like journalists prompting people to do. Mm -hmm. And yet they just like I never have the time unless I sign up for a class and Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm going through this class, and then me the teacher will surprise them with those things. there's a way to sort of use the concept of structure and build in time for creativity, Mm -hmm. which is essentially what they're doing when they're signing up for a class. Mm -hmm. Um, But like in the introduction pages of the journal, I sort of talk about that a little bit and like how to do your scheduling. And, you know, I say, do whatever works for you, but here are some suggestions, essentially. And that is one of the big ones. It's like, do some reflection on what is it that you really want to be spending your time with. How can you be creative? How can you be playful? How can you be grateful? And then when you're building the structure, build in structured time for those things. Julia Cameron has this idea of morning pages mm-hmm. um, in her book, The Artist's Way. And and I think she called it morning pages because it's telling you, it's suggesting that you sit down every morning mm-hmm. as you drink your cup of coffee and you do this. Mm-hmm. And just knowing this is going to become part of your routine will help you to make it happen and commit to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also forced commitment on myself by telling everybody on Facebook, I'm doing this thing, I'm doing yeah. 30 paintings in 30 days or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and um, then, then I have a a weird fake uh, peer pressure that I put on myself <laughs> mm-hmm. by telling other people about it that will make me commit to doing it because um, I know that it's something that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, next question. Uh, what is the main message behind your artwork? If we can articulate one. <laughs> so, the main message behind my artwork is something that I've thought a lot about, actually. And I think, because most of my artwork tends to be fantasy-like, or like it follows that same sort of fantasy genre as you get in books and movies and other forms of mm-hmm. art. Um, and I've always been a giant book nerd. So, and fantasy's always been my favorite genre. So, like, this all follows and makes sense. Um, but I think the main message in my art is always essentially that same core message of fantasy literature, which is, it's an avenue and a place to explore the things that are real problems in the real world, but when you sort of take them out of the real world and put them in a fantasy world, you can explore explore them with new perspectives and without prejudices a lot of the time. And so you can learn something in a fantasy 
book or movie or whatever it is that is something that is still valuable in life and then you can sort of bring it from that fantasy place into real life and integrate it into your real world. Like I've got this um, blurb sort of in my about me that's in the Starlight Journal and it's also on my website and it um, essentially says that like evil queens and evil stepsisters and dragons don't really exist. But we have surly bosses and we have crabby landlords and we have people in the real world that do exist and there is real evil in the real world. And the value of fantasy literature and hopefully my artwork as well is to give people a fun, whimsical, beautiful way to think about things that actually are important in the real world. I think it's, I, I, this is going to be like me paraphrasing Neil Gaiman, who paraphrased G.K. Chesterton, but <laughs> the message is essentially uh, fantasy books don't teach us that dragons exist, they teach us that dragons can be beat. And that is the really valuable message in fantasy as a genre. There, it's all related to that sort of story that encourages us to explore the world and explore ourselves and hopefully learn and grow a little bit. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. What would you say to your younger artist self? I think my biggest message to my younger artist self would be to learn the business side soon. <laughs> but along with that, it, and they kind of go hand in hand, is the idea that like this is a thing that you can do. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I spent a lot of time convinced that this was not ever going to be a viable thing, mm -hmm. like, and therefore was not worth doing except as like a hobby. And so I spent a lot of time telling myself that and therefore not doing anything about it. And that also goes hand in hand with like, no, there is a way to run a business and be creative and an artist and you can do it and here's how. So yeah, the two, those two things are sort of different sides of the same coin. I think that number one, this can be done. <laughs> and number two, Find out how. Don't be discouraged. Don't devalue it before you even try. Go out and find out how to do it and do it properly. Yeah. Yeah. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to teach a class that I'm now doing once a year. It's called How to Start Selling Your Art. And um, I wish that I had taken that class 20 mm -hmm. years ago. Because when there's so many little business things, big business things, um, nuts and bolts that are totally doable, um, people just get overwhelmed or they think, I don't know how to do a sales tax or something, but you just, it's like the bullet journaling, it's if you just, <laughs> you make out the steps, what do I actually need? Mm -hmm. And none of those hurdles are that bad. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. 
I agree with you. Okay. <laughs> so, um, alrighty. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. We're at our last question. And that is, um, what is your favorite art book or personal art story? So, one of my favorite art books and it changes probably regularly because I'm a huge book nerd and I have always been interested in art. So, like, I have a couple of staples sort of on my bookshelf from back in, uh, I mean, back in middle school, I got this book that was on Da Vinci. And so, I've always loved that. Um, I have a book that is like the work of Ivan Izadovsky, who was actually an Armenian painter in Russia. And okay. so I did um, a lot of research on him for a few projects in college and really liked that book, um, partly because he's Armenian. And so I have that personal connection because I, my heritage is Armenian. And partly because most of his paintings were like ships on the ocean. Oh. <laughs> and so that's also a personal interest of mine and so I really love that book um I have like a Van Gogh book a few years back my mom and I went to see the Van Gogh exhibit in Chicago and so we got a book there that I really like um and then most recently I this is a book that I actually do not own but I really would like to I went, uh, the artist's name is Kirsty Mitchell, but she is another photographer and she's another fantasy photographer, but she does very little, I think, work in post-production, or at least she does it differently than I do, because she creates pretty much most of the scene, like, actually in real life, and they are amazing fantastical beautiful images and if you watch like her behind the scenes videos it's just astounding the detail that goes into them and the time it takes to make a single image so that's both inspire like it's not just inspiring but awe-inspiring and also her theme the theme of her show that's been touring is called wonderland and so it's all sort of the same ideas that I'm interested in and the same medium, but like she's doing it in a different way, which is really cool. And like, as soon as I saw her images the first time online, I was just immediately drawn to them. And then just a few weeks ago, actually, she, her part of her show came to the Fort Wayne Museum of Earth, and I'm from Fort Wayne, so... As soon as I saw that, I like messaged my mom and was just like, we have to go to this art exhibit because this is one of my favorite photographers and she's in Fort Wayne. This is crazy. So we went to that and it was just amazing. And they had a copy of her art book, which is all of the Wonderland series, plus a lot of her story, plus a lot of her like earlier works. So like in the back, she, there's this section that sort of tells you her lead up kind of like how she got to the point of doing the Wonderland series and so it's just a really really beautiful lush book filled with awesome images so that is currently my favorite for sure right now. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
lovely. Well, thank you, Elise, for coming on the show. You have been listening to the Alchemy of Art podcast. To find out more about Annie Hurston and her work, go to azirfineart.com. That's A-Z-H-I-R-F-I-N-E-A-R-T dot com.